Welcome, friends. You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. A few of my favorite ordinary things are hitting snooze on the alarm clock, hot coffee with heavy cream, and a new local cafe with great writing spots. Lisa Joe, I love wrapping up in a cozy cardigan, going for long walks on cold afternoons, and warming up around a real fire. All right, friends, here's today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. Real quick, Lisa Joe, I know we wanted to take a few seconds to tell our listeners about the uh, new fun special thing that we're offering our community. It's a care package from the Black Barn called Paper and String, and it features writing from us, but not just you and me and our stories, but stories from a whole community of writers and artists and musicians, and subscriptions are open right now. And we like to offer you something for all of your senses. So when you open up Paper and String, you're going to have things that appeal to those of us who like to read, listen, taste, grow, and gather. Recipes, music, poetry, Lisa Joe's random reviews. You know I'm going to get some of those in there too. But our hope is there's something for everybody to give you a taste of what happens at the Black Barn right where you are. So subscriptions open up the first week of every month. So they're open right now, the first week of March. If you happen to be listening to this episode a little bit later, that's okay. First week of April, the first week of every month, you can join us. And we're uh, just so glad that we can offer our listeners something more, something new and beautiful beyond the podcast. You can either just click through the link in our show notes, or you can go to outoftheordinarypodcast.com slash PS for paper and strength. Christy, today, today I have a story we both do about some good news, and it might not be what people expect. It is the good news that our lives are not that important. <laughs> Seriously, Lisa Joe, that is the best news. I think I caused myself more heartburn <laughs> because I believe that every decision, every choice, every little thing I do on every day matters so much. And yeah, I want to tell some stories today to remind us that <laughs> thank goodness maybe it doesn't. Because especially at our age, uh, I won't yeah. speak for you or your age, but we are close. <laughs> and at 45, I suddenly have this very deep awareness that like I'm more than halfway, oh no, like what if I haven't done important enough things in my life? Mm -hmm. I really, this is a recurring anxiety I now have because it's too late for me, Christy, it is too late for me to be an Olympic anything at this point (laughs) in my life. (laughs) It's too late for me to get like the toddler years right, they're over now. Like it's too late for me to just embark on, I don't know, like career in, you know, oceanography, I feel like, like all kinds of random things that when you were a little kid and you had the whole world you could do, it feels now like I have my choices feel tighter and tighter and narrower and narrower. And what if I've made the wrong ones, Christy? Mm -hmm. What if I've made the wrong ones and I'm somehow going to get to the end and I'm going to realize my life wasn't big enough or important enough or whatever other enough. And this like stresses me out. And so it was actually you (laughs) who 
was saying in conversation earlier today that it's good news that our lives are not that important. Dear listener, we will explain why. Stay with us here. We're not telling you you don't matter. We're just trying to lift a burden off of you in this season of Easter, in this Mm -hmm. season where we're really beginning a journey now that will come in different phases as we head toward Easter. But really the beginning, at the very beginning here, is this idea of listening, trying Mm -hmm. to hear the voice of God. That's Mm -hmm. what Lent is, right? It's about trying to create space in order to hear God speak to us. And in so doing, we hope to relieve some of your anxieties about the weight (laughs) of your life. So, Lisa Joe, every time I feel like the church enters a new um, season, you know, Advent, Lent, uh, Christmas, so on, I get re-energized to have devotionals around the family dinner table. (laughs) So, you know, like many of our listeners will know, it's it's a challenge, right? It's not easy. And so I can get discouraged and I can let the practice falter. And, you know, during this brief season between Epiphany and Lent, I have not done any kind of reading around the table that I love to do. We're not, we say a blessing for the food before we eat, but like that is it. Okay, but cue Ash Wednesday, now it's Lent. Mom, the devotional leader, is back. Watch out, kids. (laughs) (laughs) And really, that means like frustrated mom is back because, oh my word, I have like no grace for my kids for their coughing and their chewing and they're getting up to like (laughs) noisily get other glasses of water or to to run and take care of the dog in the corner. I'm like, no, you will sit here and you will pray with me. (laughs) It makes me so happy. You're like, we will hear from God tonight. It is, it is. Oh my goodness, I was doing it again last night. But here's the thing that I hear all the time whenever I get back in that mom mode, and I have to say, my husband is right there too, and he is supportive and participatory, but um, this reading around the table is really my, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the driver in that. It's, it's, it's my thing. <laughs> um, so I take responsibility for it, the good and the bad. Um, but here's what I hear from my kids around the table, especially when they're younger, Um, But even now with my youngest, who's seven, I'm hearing it from her. Now, maybe other people have these um, sort of miraculous, glowy children of faith who are born. (laughs) Please don't tell us if you do. I don't want to hear from you. That's true. No. (laughs) But my kids are not those kids. My kids are wonderful, but they are very honest about their doubts. And so something I've heard a lot from my kids over the years, and I'm hearing it recently from my youngest, is this. If I say anything about hearing from God or listening to God or what would God say or um, my kids say the same thing, I don't, I've never heard God speak. I, what? I've never heard. No, he doesn't talk to me. I've never heard his voice with this like look of, of are you kidding me, mom? <laughs> What, what are you talking about? Um, I've heard it from all of them. And and I, I get it. I get it. Because when we use language like God speaking or us listening, you know, we're thinking of it in those human terms of like this audible voice. And I think we do, even when we're young, maybe we want that writing on the wall. Like we want it so obvious. My kids will say, this is the other thing they like to say, like, well, if God would just tell me what to do, or if he would just, you know, like write it out for me, like then I'd believe. Or like, why can't you make it more obvious? Like, why do we have to, you know, why is it all so mysterious? And they're not alone in feeling that way. <laughs> no, right? I feel that like, way. Here too. we are in our in our forties, like still grappling with these things. And 
so I had these answers I give my kids, but yeah, the truth is I'm still figuring them out for myself. I'm still leaning into them. But I guess one thing I do tell them, and maybe we'll unpack this a little bit today, is that God is in you, right? If mm-hmm. we believe His Spirit is in us, mm-hmm. and God's Spirit is in this world that He made, God isn't the clouds, but God's Spirit is animating the clouds. You know, Christ is is causing this whole like planet that we're spinning on to hold together and cohere, and so His presence is everywhere. And so, we don't listen for God as if we're like listening for this voice that is outside of everything we're experiencing. We're listening for that like tug inside. We're listening for that whisper in our hearts. We're paying attention. You know, I'm really into just paying attention to what we see out in nature or, you know, we go for a walk and we pay attention to the bird song. I really believe that in all these ways we can hear um, God's voice. And the other thing I believe, I tell my kids a lot, is that If God is our shepherd, if we are his sheep, then his intention is to guide us. His intention is to lead us along good paths. His intention is to be near to us even when we're in that that valley of the shadow of death. If he's a good shepherd, he's not sitting back and watching us like stumble off into the weeds and head toward that cliff. He's not. He's not. And so we can trust that that he's present and and speaking to us, we can trust. So if you begin from, this is what I tell them, if you begin from this place of trust, then if you think you're hearing something, you probably are. Oh, that's you good. You probably are. <laughs> that's good. I, I feel like one does have to begin understanding how to hear from God the way a child would because it's difficult. It's not, it's not yeah. an easy formula. And it's interesting mm-hmm. that you say it's your seven-year-old who was really struggling with this because it's been my eight-year-old who actually... Mm. About, I don't know, a year ago, she came home from Sunday school one day and just like, and I'm going to use dramatic language now because that's her, she cast herself upon the bed and started weeping (laughs) like a heroine from a Jane Austen novel. She took to bed with the vapors, okay? (laughs) A case of the vapors. And like the trauma was so high. And I had to try to unpack with her what was going on. And what I realized is that she had discovered that at Sunday school, as we are wont to do as adults, we talk about God told me or I heard from God. And if you're a child, you take that very literally, like God Mm -hmm. spoke to you. And when the teacher asked the class, has God ever spoken to you? All of her friends raised their hands. Aww. And I'm I'm assuming it's because they have been taught by their holier-than-me parents what it means like <laughs> to hear from God. But my daughter, who is a literalist, did not raise her hand because mm. she has never heard his voice and then was mortified that mm. she was the only one who hadn't heard his voice. And it got worse when her friends tried to comfort her that one day she too could maybe hear his voice, oh, no. which made me feel a little ragey. Like I wanted to be like, listen, kids, none of you have heard an audible voice from God. And my husband, who's a better person than me, is like, well, you don't know that. Like maybe they have. So <laughs> I then... We had to comfort my weeping child who wanted to know why God, this is her question to me, why did God speak to all my friends and not to me? Mm. 
And tell me if that isn't how we feel sometimes. Like, that's certainly how I feel. I look around at the world, at people doing mighty and amazing things for God, and I think, Mm -hmm. why doesn't God speak to me the way he speaks Mm -hmm. to them? Or why don't I have better hearing? (laughs) Because, like, I feel like I hear something, and then I do it, and then it does not pan out the way I thought it would. Yeah. And I think that is where it gets complicated, because it's one thing to hear to discern what we think God is telling us and act on it. But it is another thing to understand the outcome of what God has asked you to right, do. Because those right. are two different things. Right. And so part of what I did with Zoe is what you were doing too with Elsa, is trying to explain to her that God will speak to each of his children in ways that he knows uniquely they will be able to hear him. It's not the same for all of us. For some of us, we might clearly understand he is leading us through something we read in the Bible. For some of us, it might be through prayer or fasting or intercession. For some of us, and I said this to her, for some of us, like in our family, it will be through a movie or a book or a song. I mean, I have had my most powerful experiences of really seeing faith in new eyes through like watching Lord of the Rings with my children. I think maybe that's where we begin, that we overcomplicate or over-spiritualize how we hear God mm-hmm. um, and that there isn't just one way. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe one reason we do that is because we, we're so attached to what we think the outcome will be. Mm. And so we... <laughs> I think we assume, okay, if God is speaking and if I'm hearing and responding, then dot, 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 what comes next? My life will look like right. What? It'll look like a great success. It'll look like I'm changing the world. Right. It'll look like I am Moses speaking to Pharaohs and you know, <laughs> setting people free. I don't know. Right, like whatever right. our, yeah, whatever our kind of world changing vision is, it'll look, it'll look big. It'll look amazing. It'll look miraculous. Other people will notice it too. Will know that I heard from God because of these things I've done. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe not. Maybe it will look like ordinary life, but an ordinary life lived near to God. Yeah. The witness. Nothing more, nothing less. Like that simple. Right, the withness. And I think I tried to talk to Zoe a little bit about this. Like, I think one of my favorite names of God has to be Emmanuel because he's the God who's with. Mm -hmm. I love, I I talk about this ad nauseum. I love the translation of John. You know, John talks about how the word became flesh, but I like the translation from the message that says he moved into the neighborhood. I am so grateful for a God who is that close to us, who wants to be with us, which means he's doing life with us. He doesn't just show up on big mountaintop moments. He's like trudging with us through the wilderness. He's here when I'm cleaning the toilet. He's here when I'm helping a kid. Oh, Christy, we had such a painful experience yesterday where one of my kids who is just a really gifted athlete, but is trying a new sport for the first time and didn't make the team. And it was, man, it has been painful. It has been Mm. painful because in his words, I thought I would. I had the equipment. I tried out. I did all the things you think you do when you've heard right? Like I am following what I think is this call. And guess what? It didn't work out the way I thought it would. And I think if we attribute God to the outcome there, then you can say, yes, you heard wrong. But if we believe God is with us in the experience, if he is embodied with us in what we walk through, then yes, you're hearing him. He's there still. 
It's not like a one and done. <laughs> He's talking mm-hmm. to us all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of myself as someone who's not super attached to outcomes, like someone who kind of lives life with open hands. But I know, and I, I think that's maybe mostly true, but I can look closely and see all the ways that, especially with some of the bigger life decisions, that I assume because, let's say, I've sacrificed or because I feel like I've been obedient in some big thing. Right, right. The equation. You know, followed God in the this math, choice. The math of God. Yeah. Yes. That, that what should follow should be right. comfortable. Right. <laughs> like, I really want it to be comfortable. Right. I don't want it to be hard and uncomfortable. Should uh, be what easy. you think you deserve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in my life, something we talk a lot about on this podcast, it was that decision to to move to Maplehurst, to take on this old farmhouse, to try to cultivate a place where we could gather people and build community. And it was, we don't often, I think, have these moments in life where there's some sort of clear before and after, some very clear like, okay, God is speaking. God is leading. Will I follow? Yes, I will. What comes next? And honestly, what has come next has been a whole lot of great things and a whole lot of hard things like just life it's just it's still the same ordinary <laughs> life <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's rich and it's good but it still has you know so your child was struggling this week with the sports team which uh, just breaks my heart and i've had um one or two children home with me every day this week because of a stomach bug mm. like life still has stomach bugs right. and vomit and <laughs> Kids who don't listen to the devotional around the table at night. I mean, that is still life. Um, Yeah. And I think I I, I assume that if I've heard right and if I've followed well, I'm being led to some, like you said, mountaintop experience or some some supernatural way of living Mm. that doesn't include stomach bugs Mm -hmm. and irritation and tiredness and weakness and hard finances like hard right yes like right so so this is so great to unpack this with you because i too have had you know your big move to maplehurst was really one of those moments of hearing God. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it in sort of those beautiful spiritual things. When you talked about one of my favorite quotes you shared is that idea of how Maplehurst is like this house that has living water pouring out of it into the neighborhood. And when you hear yeah. that, you're like, oh, Christy hears directly from Jesus. There's a red <laughs> line and he talks to her and it's so spiritual. And so like, I need you to talk to me about puking kids, like because yeah. you can have that too. And for me, one of the big clear moments of hearing God in the last five years of my life really was when I felt like God was calling me, and I hesitate to even use the word felt, feelings, like, am I just, is that just my feelings that I had bad tacos those days? I don't know. (laughs) So when I say hear from God or feel from God, listener, what I mean is, as much as I, a human who tries to read scripture and talk to other humans who I think are really great barometers for what God might or might not be saying in our lives, as much as I try to align all my experiences of living with someone who loves Jesus to really tune in (laughs) to what seems like the next choice in my life based on all kinds of things. Like, do I feel dread about this? Do I feel fear? Am I overwhelmed with expectancy and excitement? All of those help come into the picture as well as prayer and friends. As much as you can do all of those things, I believed God was inviting me out of a job that had been really fruitful in my life, fruitful in terms of community 
and security and opportunity when I was working full-time for seven years with the online community Encourage. And I loved them. I learned from them. We partnered on so many things together. And it was counterintuitive to walk away from that. Who does that? And yet I was convinced, I really was, that that God was inviting me. It's how I would describe it. Because I, I never felt like oh no, this is cramping my style, or I don't like these people, or any of that, it really did feel like God wasn't saying, you've outgrown this, or you know, there's something about this holding you back. It was much more like he was like, no, look forward, and I'm inviting you into something new. And at the time, wise people in my life, including my husband, folks like you, my agent mm-hmm. who's been a friend for years, asking them, they heard the same thing. And when we took that step, I was sure it was right. But let's talk about outcomes. I also <laughs> thought that meant <laughs> the floodgates of opportunity around me would open, you know? Yeah. And there would be never any financial insecurity and just like opportunities would rain down upon me. Because I've heard those stories. I've heard people talk about leaving their jobs and following God into an invitation. And now just look at us. We have an empire or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't, guys, like, here's the spoiler. Like, five years later, I do not have an empire, okay? <laughs> God has been so faithful, and He has met all of our daily needs and sometimes even our monthly needs. But He hasn't met, like, our five-year needs. Like, He hasn't, right. like, created this huge storehouse for me to just stockpile all this opportunity I thought would just pour into my lap because I was following God. And that, Christy, is where I think we can run into trouble because what we do then is because we are equating outcome Mm -hmm. with correct hearing, Mm -hmm. if the outcome doesn't align with my limited human expectations, Mm -hmm. I question the decision. And that is where I know I run into trouble. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because we're so focused on just outcomes, but like productivity and the do, or focus on the doing. And mm. we know, we know that God is much more concerned with the being, with who we are, <laughs> who we're becoming, and not with what we're producing. Yeah, it, it's a subtle difference, but it's a significant one. And so we measure our lives according to like these checklists we set for ourselves of have I achieved this? Have I accomplished that? Am I healthy? Have I found financial security? Have I, you know, on, are my kids making good choices Mm -hmm. or, you know, on and on and on. And I just don't think those are, I'm sure those are just not the things that like God is not working on that same kind of checklist. Instead, we know, like we look at outward appearances, God looks at the heart and so it's much more about our hearts, um, and yet, I don't know that that can be hard to come to grips with. We we invest a lot in what in this life that we're living, and mm-hmm. so I think this is where I want to take the conversation. What if these days of ours are so brief, and the scripture that compares our lives to like a flower in the field that blooms? and then fades away. Like, what if that is actually true? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I used to read those verses, especially when I was younger, and, you know, you have all of life ahead of you, and I found them un 
unbearably depressing. I'm so glad you said that. I almost used to <laughs> find them offensive. Like, why would I rejoice in this? Are you kidding me right now? Right. Okay, I'm so glad you said that because I've it always like been bothered. It feels like an insult. Yes. I love yes. flowers. And especially the part where they say that and then they're just cast on the fire. Like, what is that about? <laughs> like, we become compost and ashes? Yes, that what? Seems- oh, yeah, actually we do. <laughs> Right. It's it feels offensive. It feels like such a belittling. And again, saying this as a flower yeah. lover, I too find no glory in being compared to a flower of the field. No, I want to be like something much more important than that. Much more enduring. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Compare me to but, like a hundred year old oak tree, you know? Yes! Or like, you know, the in Ireland, the castles that have been around there forever and you can still see their foundations. Like I want right. that kind of impact. I want people a hundred years from now to still be tripping over bricks in the ground that were planted because Lisa Joe Baker did something. You know? Exactly. Exactly. We want our lives to matter. But here's where this is what I want to ask. Could this view of ourselves as beautiful living things that are really only here for this brief time, could that actually be holding some incredibly good news? And that's how we started this podcast with this idea that like maybe (laughs) our lives don't matter so much and maybe that's good news. So here's what I'm thinking. Like I can get so overwhelmed by stress day to day about decisions, about how I'm spending my time, about how good a job I'm doing? Like, am I a good wife? Am I a good mom? Am I a good, am I doing, you know, good work in writing? Am I a good friend to Lisa Joe? I mean, these are things I like stress about. Like, I, and then I feel shame or I'm burdened. Oh, I'm not being a good friend. I'm not managing my time well. I'm not, you know, on and on, right? The litany of like failure. But if I remember that I'm a flower of the field, uh, it doesn't matter so much, does it? <laughs> right? It feels like it it relieves the anxiety that somehow I've made, somehow I've misheard God. And because mm-hmm. of that, I've now cut off, like, you know, sometimes I imagine my life like these three pathways, and there's this mm-hmm. one that's going to lead to all this prominence and glory. But oh no, back when you were 25, you made this choice, Lisa Joe, and now you can never go down that path. And yeah. I think that's sometimes what happens in our brains. I know this because Pete's, my husband's a professor of college students, and I get to talk to them every now and again. And one of the things he always asks me is, be sure you talk about how you can't make wrong choices that limit what God can do in your life forever. Mm. You know, And we tend to think, especially when we're younger, and it feels worse when we're older, because by the time we're older, we feel like we've cut off all of our options. Right. When you're younger, you're like narrowing. Yes. When you're younger, you're so afraid. And the students will say to me, I'm just so worried about making the wrong choice. Like where, what if I do it wrong? What if I make the wrong decision? And then there's the freedom of offering my own life and all my weird, crazy choices I've made. Many of them probably were wrong. But the thing we don't realize about God is he's so creative. He's so multifaceted. There's not just three options. There's like three Mm -hmm. billion. Okay. This is the God who makes galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies that we will never even discover just because he can. And Mm -hmm. we have to remember our lives are that complicated in the sense that it is impossible for us to limit what God will do if he decides Mm -hmm. to do it. It's not up to us as much as we think it is. I think being willing to hear him and be with him, that's it. Mm -hmm. That is our Mm -hmm. part of the equation, and he will do the rest, which then Helps me exhale and realize, okay, Lisa Joe, at 45, you haven't somehow narrowed all your options. What I'm narrowing in on 
is my willingness to just walk tighter and tighter with Jesus. Like that's the part that has to narrow. I have to be obsessive about wanting to keep step with him. Hmm. That is the only place where there's a narrowing in my life. And mm-hmm. everything else is really from the enemy who wants to distract me because that is it's a really good tactic from him because what I want to do some days, Christy, I kid you not, and you have heard me say this, some days when I spaz out about the choices that I've made, I like frantically just go onto LinkedIn and just like look at all of these jobs and think, I could have done all of these things. I should be doing all of these things. Maybe I'm supposed to be this. Like sometimes I even apply for them. Like it's out of complete panic. Like mm-hmm. I need to open more doors. I need more options. I I need to give God more opportunities to talk to me. And if I just mm-hmm. do all of these things, maybe he will. And instead, I have to come back down to reality and sit on the sofa next to him and just let him love me and say, Lisa Joe, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. The only path you really have to worry about is the one that walks right next to me, right mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the way of abundance. Like that way is so fruitful. Like that's what Mm -hmm. he is, right? He's so fruitful. Because when you think about the flowers of the field, like just think about how many kinds there are and how many colors there are and what variety and beauty and abundance there is. Mm -hmm. There's never a moment where God's like, oh, you know, that flower just really missed the mark. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. That's a bad flower. Look at it. Such a bad flower. I've never had that thought about a flower ever in my life. No, like even no. like even dandelions, I think are beautiful. I love them. Like they're little weeds, basically. Mm-hmm. Like even if mm-hmm. you feel like you have a dandelion life, which is often how I feel. It's look how fun <laughs> my kids love dandelions the best. Oh, the dandelion life. Now that sounds like a good thing to aspire to. I think I also I, I found those verses depressing because. <sighs> I don't know. I just wanted, it's not like I wanted the pressure that my life had to be so important, but maybe in a lot of ways we do. Or it's also, I think that we can't reckon with, it's hard to reckon with this life that is our whole world, right? All Mm -hmm. we know Mm -hmm. is this body, this soul, this place, this earth, this reality. Mm -hmm. And yet if we, if we are, those of us who are Christians, who believe the Easter message which is essentially that, hey, death is just a door. It is not the end. Mm-hmm. And you walk through that door, and you walk into paradise, and you walk into everything that God has planned for what comes after, which is a restored creation and new ways of living and glorified bodies and all these things that we just can only dimly <laughs> understand. But yet we know it's good news. Like mm-hmm. We know, oh my goodness, there's so much to look forward to. If we really believe that— then the thought that my life is just a flower is like the best. It means, oh my goodness, okay, day by day until I get to walk through that door and then get started on the life that really right. matters, which is the life eternal, the life, you know, in in you know, the resurrected life. Like this is, I don't know, I'll put it in book terms because you know we love our books. Like, what is this? This isn't even chapter one, probably. This is just the the prologue, just maybe? Just the prologue. It's not even the introduction. <laughs> it's mm, just the prologue. Wow. Yeah, I think finding fresh ways to understand that metaphor of the flower is so helpful. I loved when you talked about it being a prologue. I heard um, my favorite pastor, Tim Mackey, who 
he doesn't know that he's my pastor, but he is because he plays <laughs> he plays in my car. He listen to his sermons. He has an amazing podcast called Exploring My Strange Bible. And he gives this story that I'd never thought about before, but it really helped me understand this prologue idea, the flower idea. He said, as human beings, we are really really believe, even if we are Christians, even if we tell ourselves there's a next life, it is very mm -hmm. difficult not to hold everything happening here, this earth, these bodies, this family, these decisions, these jobs as the be-all and end-all. We can mm -hmm. tell ourselves they're not, and I do. I tell myself that's not the be-all and end-all, Lisa Joe. Like, God is just beginning with you. But mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I believe it, like, in a deep day-to-day, -day, day -day, ordinary life kind of way. Like, my ordinary yeah. life still feels like, ah, oh, I have to make this count. I have to make this count. Yeah. And so Tim was talking about how, imagine if our entire existence now, the earth, the galaxies, the solar system, your jobs, your kids, your marriages, your divorces, your affairs, your bank account, all the things that feel mm -hmm. so significant to us. What mm -hmm. if all of it was the, the world that is known to an unborn child in its mother's womb? Uh, that yeah. child's entire universe is the womb. The heartbeat that that child hears is everything. That is the, the, the melody, the soundtrack to its life. It doesn't know what a mother's heart sounds like, not from the inside like that. If you were trying to explain to an unborn child about how this is not it, you know, mm -hmm. that child, all it knows is that being safe and in that tiny little space in that tiny world where it hasn't even taken a breath yet. Yeah. And Tim says that is how we can imagine our lives here, that that child is in for such a shock when it gets pushed out into the world and takes first gasps of breath that are so shocking it cries. But that's what's waiting for us. Like we are actually going to be born and resurrected into a new life that is so much more real and eternal and weighty than what we have now that Jesus mm -hmm. could compare what we have now to a flower. I mm -hmm. think when I heard it that way, it was the first time I got a tiny glimpse into what Jesus, I think, was trying to communicate mm -hmm. in the beginning, which is why it isn't the outcomes that matter it's the walking with Jesus that matters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie it to this one of my favorite stories in Scripture that really helps me on the days I'm freaking out about how I haven't done enough for the kingdom of God. And don't hear us saying here that we shouldn't, of course, want to participate in what God is doing in the kingdom. We have entire podcasts about that. We're simply saying we cannot attach our identity to that. I love that moment where Jesus has lived his entire ministry. He has now been betrayed, and he is hanging on a cross dying. He is like mm -hmm. hours away from his last breath, and hanging next to him is this criminal. And of course, there are two criminals, but there's only one that wants to engage him in this way. So here's this criminal who clearly has not made great choices in his life, has not accomplished a great deal for the kingdom, okay? <laughs> He's dying, it is literally his dying breaths. It's not metaphorical. And he says to Jesus, please, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus's response takes my breath away because he doesn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you needed to ask me that like when you were 13 or when you were 15 or when you were 25 or, wow, all those choices you made have just eliminated that option for you, my son, or I don't know, you're too late. No, he says, yes, Today you will be with me in paradise. Boom. It's done. Like it is enough that that guy just wants to be 
with Jesus. Jesus is not weighing his life and finding it too light or too insignificant or unimportant, or he's not telling him all these bad choices have excluded you. No, the guy heard Jesus's voice, literally, like he got to hear it on a cross and then he responded. And Jesus is like, yes, man, you're in. And that has meant so much to me. And I want to make you, I know we're running out of time, but you got to talk about how I love how you were telling me those different parables, those ones that sort of seem unfair, because Jesus is always doing this. He's not like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, some people, what they did, you know, adds up to more than others. So they right, get right. in over other people, which is this weird math we do in our heads. Yes. And Jesus' math is just like, yeah, great, you're in now. Boom. Like, you don't yeah, have to like yeah. earn it. Because we've been on this, or because I have been pushing this renewed family devotional kick, (laughs) we've been talking about these, we've had this like Linton, you know, readings we're doing and talking about these parables with the kids. And um, I was uh, reminding them about the vineyard, the one Jesus tells about the vineyard. And there's there's a vineyard and there's a vineyard owner. And the vineyard owner invites people to come and work and says, here, I'll pay you such and such. Like, let's just, you know. 10 bucks a day, that's yours, come on in. And so some people start working in the morning and then more people finally around midday decide, uh, you know what, actually I do want to work in this vineyard as they come in and work. And then there's a couple of people who like slip in at the last minute. <laughs> right before <laughs> and, closing I don't know, time. Like, pick half a grape, I don't know, you know, <laughs> half a bunch. Um, and then at the end of the day, the vineyard owner comes out to pay everyone and he pays everyone the 10 bucks for the day's work. And of course, those who were there all day and my kids were right there with them. My kids were like, oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, kids, right. like, who has a fairness. more highly developed sense of fairness than <laughs> a child <laughs> with siblings? And across the board, all four of my kids were horrified and saying, it is not fair. It is not fair. And you know what? Maybe they're they're right. I don't know. But I, I was trying to tell them, like, look— that's how good God is. Like, and that's how many chances we have. I think the other way I put it is like, we think of life as this path and that maybe there's this narrowing and we're cutting ourselves off from these alternatives and can God still use me or have I made choices and now render me like useless and my life is a waste. But in these stories, these parables, there are like endless shortcuts. There are endless shortcuts into the vineyard and into the kingdom. Right? Like the guy at the end, like five minutes before the vineyard closes was like, oh wait, I actually do want to (laughs) help. I do want to be a part of it. And God's like, come on in. Here's your 10 bucks. I'll give you the day's wage. Like you get paid what everyone gets paid. And I know to my kids, it seems unfair, but I think the older I get, the more I realize like how grateful I am because there's freedom. I know that, hey, whatever choice I do or don't make today, like tomorrow, (laughs) his mercies are new (laughs) and I'll find some new shortcut into his goodness. And I, I can't be cut off from that. Yeah. What's that verse, Lisa Joe, about like how wherever we go or Oh yes, yes, yes. I pulled this up because I love this. So when we were talking about shortcuts and how my I have this paranoid fear that I've made the bad choices somehow and now I'm like living with them and God can't help, you know, can't do anything with me. <laughs> I think a lot of people listening, when we talk about hearing God's voice, our encouragement to you is that you're not mishearing it. And and even if you feel like you did, guess what? You get to keep listening for it again because God is you can't you can't miss him because he's always there. And so Psalm 139 verses 7 through 12 is just this a verse that I've read many times but much like the flower verse after Christy and I had talked today I felt like I read it in a new way. It had sounded like a verse about 
running away from God and why would you want to run away from God? But instead, I read it now like a passage that says, if even though you had good intentions, you somehow worry that you missed God, guess what? That's impossible. Here's what it says in the message translation. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. I mean, is there a greater relief than that? Like, you think I'm lost. You think you took a wrong turn. You think you're in a dead end in the dark. Guess what? He's already there waiting for you. The amount of relief I have felt in this discovery that what I think of as wrong turns or dead ends, in fact, they're they're just God's like living room and he's just waiting for me to show up because that is who he is. It's such a relief to me. I hope it will be to our friends in this season as we head toward Easter. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to, to get out of God's way. He is the way. If God mm. is the way, then no matter what way you are on, guess what? He's already there waiting mm. for you. He is. He's a good shepherd. And I think... It's why we go on and on week after week telling these stories of ordinary life because that's where God is. Mm. He's not far off. He's not out there. He's not, oh, when that dream comes true or that plan is realized or when I figure get my act together or I figure these things out. No, no. Today, ordinary life is right here. Just open our eyes. Look around. Here he is. It's good. It's good news. Just open our ears and listen the way a kid would. And he might talk to you in a completely unique way because he knows you and he is the way. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.